Welcome to Nostalgia Cast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up-to-date nostalgic news, where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts from a safe distance. I am your host, who is the world's foremost expert on Marcel Proust, Andrew Price. And Dad Beats, a.k.a. holding up this entire fucking podcast on his shoulders, Beats, a.k.a. <laughs> Kirk Bichon. Dad Beats. Can you give that rhyme again that you just did? Because that's your, sketchy at best. I am your host, who is the world's foremost expert on Marcel Proust, Andrew Price. Which is which is a, a reference to Little Miss Sunshine. Steve Carell's character was uh, was the was the was the world's uh, uh, was the world's highest Authority. yeah highest esteemed Proust scholar. I thought it was Proust. No, it's well that's that's how people say it, but it's Proust. Yeah. Oh, okay, so the technical way is Proust. Yeah. I don't like that. Mm. I mean, that's like Frederick Nietzsche. His it's actually Nietzsche. People pronounce Again, it wrong. Don't like that either. Yeah, it's like it doesn't sound as good. No, it's like with me. They people because of my distant cousin. They're like, "Oh, Pynchon, you're a Pynchon." I was like, "No, it's Pynchon," and they're like, "No, it's Pynchon." I'm like, "You're right. I'm wrong." Yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, people always call me Andrew Price, but my my name is actually pronounced Andreu Price. And it's people weird that it's, it. people, people get it wrong. And it's it. weird. Yeah. It's weird. Um, uh, before we get into the main stories, um, in our in in the in the ballad of the uh, movie theater situation, um, which you know, we talk about. I, I've I've chosen to focus on this to talk about since we've been in the uh, quarantine edition of of of. Nostalgia cast. Um, I feel like we usually tend to talk about some like kind of like philosophical or uh, behind the scenes industry type stuff uh, mm -hmm. on the show. If you think like, what does this have to do with nostalgia? You're just talking about like movie theater, like industry news. Um, I think it's I think it's very relevant. I think I mean it's it's relevant to everybody, but specifically for nostalgia, it's like you know we we grew up, you know whether you're whether you you whether you grew up in the you know in the in the forties and fifties, or you grew up in the sixties or seventies, or you grew up in the eighties or nineties. Uh, you know everybody up until you know the last fifteen twenty years or so. Uh, a big part of their childhoods was going to the movie theater. And yeah, we all we all went. I mean, yeah. it's not like we never like I never went to a movie in my life. I don't care now. Yeah, we all went. I mean, to varying degrees. And some of us go less now because if you're older and have families, it makes it difficult. But it's not like, you know, movie theaters. What's that? I don't do that. We all do it. We've yeah. all been doing it. Yeah, I feel I, and I really feel like the, you know, maybe the like somewhere in the 2005 ish area was the beginning of this conversation about how movie theaters were declining. Mm -hmm. um, and, they, you know, they, they've been doing that since before then, but I feel like we've really been talking about it since since then. 
Yeah. And now this whole thing is just speeding up this thing that we've been talking about for 15 years. Um, True. It would have been a it would have been an ongoing conversation, but it would have been very kind of mid lane like, oh, streaming's going to is streaming going to affect movies. But back in the 80s, they were like, oh, home video is going to affect movies. And it did a bit, but they still have them. Yeah. But I think you're right. The quarantine's now just, you know, uh, sped everything up where it's like, oh, it's it's done. It's yeah. done. Yeah. So a, uh, a new study has come out uh, claiming that of the participants in the study, 70% of movie ga- goers would rather watch movies at home. Um, so... When movie theaters reopen in the U.S., they may they may face a bleak future. A new study from Performance Research, a full circle research, shows that cinemas may not even return to their pre-crisis levels. Within uh, with significant concern for personal health and safety, most movie fans appear to prefer to watch at home. When asked uh, if costs being roughly the same, they would rather see first-run films in a movie theater or as a digital rental at home, assuming both options were available at the same time. A stunning 70% of participants say they are more likely to watch the at home versus only 13% who say they were able uh, were likely to go to the theater. 17% of the survey participants said they were not sure. So it's even, you know, based on this study, it's even crazier than 70% because it's all it's the, the the big story isn't the 70%. The big story is the mere 13% that said that they would go back to a movie theater. Yeah. What does it mean by, see, to me, they're like, oh, costs roughly the same. Meaning like, if a movie costs I think 15, they mean, $15 in the theater, we're going to charge, we would charge $15 at home. No, I, I don't think they mean that. I don't, I, I think what they mean is, or no, you could be right. I'm not sure that, that, that part of it is not, explained fully enough to really know but what i assumed it meant was if the pricing stays the same for movie theaters in a pre-quarantine time like they don't raise they don't lower the prices or raise the prices Mm -hmm. like they don't lower them to try to get people to come back and they don't raise them because they're like we're only being able to fill our theaters 50 percent capacity so we have to raise the premiums like if they don't change the pricing on those and if they don't change the pricing on um, the the digital versions because right now um, the uh, right now the the whole thing is uh, you know it costs twenty bucks to mostly they're charging twenty bucks to mm-hmm. to rent these movies that are coming out with and skipping the theaters which and, feels high to me. Well, that the thing is is that it's. It seems high, like your first reaction is like, oh, that's yeah. a lot. But when you think about it, it's actually insanely cheaper because and not all the time. But yeah, unless you're unless you're a, a sad single person. Wow. Uh, I saw, well, I, wow. That's a joke. That's a I'm joke. married. That's a joke. But I'm reacting because I saw a lot of people complaining. So the new Scoob, the Scooby-Doo movie yeah. came out. And I saw a lot of people in these like Scooby Doo Facebook groups complaining that it was too, it was too expensive, and it was like I'm not paying twenty dollars, uh, you know, to see this whenever it would normally cost twelve bucks to see it in the theaters. And to me, it was funny because it's like the reason why is because Scooby Doo is a family film that's supposed to be for families and their children. So for a family of three, mm-hmm. twenty bucks 
is like a third of the price of, of how much it would cost going to the movie theater. That um, is a bargain. But let I me mean, hit you with some calves. Hit me with the calves. Hit me with the calves. Early on, I'm hitting your calves. If you're a family of four and only one person's like, well, I want to see this movie. And everyone else is like, I don't want to see it. Strife. Yeah. Conflict. And also they could just, as opposed to when you go to the movie theaters, like, I don't really want to see this. But then you do. And so you're just kind of you have to watch it. Yeah. At home, you could just like look at your phone the whole time. If you didn't actually And then care. you're still wasting. Yeah. Like if I spent 20 bucks on a movie and my family was like, okay, we'll kind of watch it. And they were mostly on their other devices. I would pause and be like, we just spent good money on it to get our value. You need to all put your phones down and watch it. Oh, Otherwise yeah. we're wasting money. Yeah. If, if we get into the, if we get into the world, if we get into the world where they're like, okay, so we're movie theaters are dead. No more movie theaters. They're all closed forever. Everything's going to be released digitally from now on. But we're going to charge similar pricing to the movie theater. So every, you have to actually pay pay per person. And if they could somehow Ooh. if they could somehow prove that or whatever. I don't know what the thing was. Your smart TV looks scanning the room. We're, yeah. getting, we're getting into we're getting into <laughs> Orwellian Big yes. Brother territory. 1984 but if But if they did that... Then you bet it, you you can bet that I'm gonna be like, no, look up, put your phone down, <laughs> look at that screen. I would I would I would invent you know that episode of Black Mirror when where they are everybody lives inside of those buildings and I don't but go ahead. Well, there's an episode where everybody lives inside. Nobody goes outside anymore. I forget why. Maybe it's because there's like toxic air. I for, I forget why, but because of the Ronies. Yes, everybody lives inside these big skyscrapers, and by day everybody works uh, by basically going to a gym, and they basically run on a they 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 uh, ride a elliptical mm-hmm. for for eight hours while watching TV and that's their job. Uh, and the, the ellipticals are uh, powering the building. So they're generating, they're generating power. Oh, it's fascinating. And then after they do their jobs, then they go back to their rooms and their room is just one giant, the, it's four walls of a giant TV mm-hmm. and they just watch TV all the time. So that's all they do. They just, they, they, they stay in their room, they watch TV and then they go to sleep. They get up in the morning. They go. They ride the the um, the exercise bike while watching TV. And it's this completely self insulated consumerist world where you exist to consume content. And then uh, the way that you contribute to the society is by generating power uh, by running on these exercise bikes, which is also giving you exercise so that you don't, you know get fat or your muscles don't atrophy so it's like this weird like technically very efficient society where everybody is contributing in the most efficient way possible but also you're just your life is pointless you just you you watch tv and when they're in their rooms watching the tv they're not allowed to close their eyes during ads (laughs) so if you close your eyes while a commercial is on it like finds you it like gives you a verbal warning mm-hmm. it can it can detect if your eyes are closed and if you close your eyes it goes like 
please open your eyes. You have 20 seconds to comply. And if you keep your eyes closed, you get you get fined. They take some of your money away and you get paid so that you can buy stuff. So you can buy food and and, uh, you know, like whatever you can buy uh, movies or appliances for your apartment or whatever. Hot take. But anyway, I'm okay my, my with this world. I'm is, okay with this world. Yeah, my point. I'm is, okay with this. This yeah, is a my, good world. My point is, is if we're if we're if we're paying per person to yeah. rent a movie at home, uh, I'm gonna invent that technology. Yeah. Where if you close your eyes or if you look down at your phone, you get shocked. Yes, hundred percent. I just pull the Clockwork Orange into real life and prop their eyes open and watch this twenty dollars show. Yep. That we paid for. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag, depending on your situation, who you are, and whether or not your entire family agrees on the movie. $20 for a rental is either kind of expensive or insanely cheap. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it all depends on your situation. That's yeah. very true. Um, so... Uh, Comparing the findings to a similar study conducted by Performance Research in March, things have definitely not improved. Uh, with more consumers, 52%, feeling that being in heavily attended public spaces will scare them for a long time, um, up from the March number 47% during the a uh, acceleration of the health crisis in the U.S. 37% um, of the survey participants said they plan to attend movies in theaters less often, up from 28% in March, and 10% say they may never set foot in a movie theater again, um, up from 6% in March. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, saying you're never going to set foot into a movie theater again is, is a pretty extreme uh, stance to take. Yeah, um, I don't necessarily buy that. Yeah. When pressed on the genres of movies that would most likely get the... Uh, uh, um, them to show up for movie tickets... Uh, forty-three percent say co said comedy, thirty-five percent said drama, and uh, surprisingly, action came in with only thirty-three percent of the vote, vote, despite the fact that it has been by far the most popular genre by box office dollars. That is um, shocking. And film volume over the past decade, horror only drew nineteen percent of the tally, despite being a profitable and popular category for years. Good, because sort of boring. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a garbage thing to say. Yep, I'm a bad person. Um, so uh, the, the the pricing of in-home first-run movies is a bit of a misleading indicator, though, since at $10 or even 20 everyone in the household can watch the movie. Um, if you've got a family of four, this equates to the $5 per person price. Um, this compares to nearly 2x that amount at the average cost of a movie ticket or nearly 4x that total if you're going to see the movie in a theater in the major metropolitan markets. Um, so yeah, you know, the idea of like... But, you know, it, this whole thing is confusing because, uh, you know, like, like they said before, we talked about it on a previous episode, that uh, the Trolls movie that they released made more in... What was it? I, I forget what it was. It was like it made more in three days or maybe it, it made more in a month or it made more in three yeah it made more in three weeks than the first trolls movie made in its entire theatrical run so i totally see the the idea that you might not make as much money from the the from at home than at the theater because because of the very fact that 
on average, like you might make more money from the single people who are renting mm -hmm. a movie when normally they'd be paying 12 bucks or at most, yeah. you know, 18 bucks if you're in LA or New York or something like that. Um, and you're going to see IMAX or something. Uh, you're going to make more from them, but then you're going to make substantially less from families who families can, you know, you, you could, you could go with a family of four and spend $200 at the theater. All yeah, told. you're getting food and parking. Uh, yeah. So on one hand, I totally see where it's like, yeah, they're going to like, they'll make a lot. Well, they'll make a lot less money. But then Warner Brothers said that they made more money from digital sales than they did from the theatrical run. I guess they're only counting tickets, though, but they don't get the concession cut. So maybe yeah. I guess all, all told, if you cut the exhibitors out of the process, so you don't have to worry about the exhibitors getting their cut of the film. You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about the fact that they need the concession food money. They're just they're gone that that aspect of the business is dead and gone and not accounted for anymore. Yeah. So you're only talking about the studios getting revenue for for sales of the movie. Then I get yeah, I guess maybe in the end it could shake out where they could still stand to make as much money as before. I I'd I be curious to see cuz I think there's some like conditions that made that so successful one it was early on as a bit early on in the in the quarantine. And it's the only thing that a kid could watch around that time that was new. Yeah. So it was like, oh, great. We have this thing, something for the kids. I think a big test would yeah, there's be. A ton, there's a ton of variables because it's like, yeah. like you said, it might have done so well because of the fact that it's one of the only four movies that yeah. <laughs> that's out that you could watch. Yeah. I would love to see the results of a PG-13 or even an R comedy. Uh, if, if comedy is the thing that people really want to see, if someone goes, okay, we're going to make a, we're going to get really good players. We're not going to do B level. We're going to get A list actors, directors, and writers. We're going to come up with a great premise. We're going to do an A list comedy and we're going to put it on streaming and we're going to pay, you're going to pay 20 bucks. That would be interesting. So it's something that little kids really can't watch. So it's like a PG 13 comedy with big stars see how well that would do yeah and that would be a good in, that would be a good indicator i think yeah yeah well we'll see i mean even the study you know studies are not necessarily uh you know you do one study it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the be all end all of the data because it's just one isolated study um, yeah we'll really have to see as they continue to consistently poll people and ultimately we just have to see whenever movie theaters reopen can I uh, can I hit you with a a, a hypo? Hit me with hit me with the hypes. Hit me with the hypo. Okay, so because you are definitely in the camp of like I'm not going back until we get the clear from uh, doctors, CDC, uh, professional people. The, say scenari get, the, say the scenario of like whether you go back to work or not, whether you go you know, do the thing that provides you with, you know, a, your livelihood. I'm talking about just movies. No, no, I'm saying, but like, that's, okay. a, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. And that's a much more complicated discussion. Yeah. But when it comes to like, oh, should I risk even taking the slightest chance to go see a movie in a theater? Like, 
to me, it's a no brainer. It's like, yeah. this, you do not need to do that. Just uh, like for me, my better safe than sorry. Like I, I, I see really. Yeah. But what if they were like, yeah, you can open it up. Like not now, immediately, like maybe a month from now. And they're like, doctors are like, okay, yeah, you just got to be careful. There's restrictions. What if there was a movie out there you really wanted to see in a theater and they were like, okay, we're only going to do half the theater. So there'll be, there'll be space apart and there's absolutely no food. No food is allowed in these movie theaters. You have to wear a mask. You will not be given any food. We will check to see if you bring in food. And if you do, you have to dump it. So no eating, masks on, six feet apart. Would you go to the theater? I mean, I, I spent the first 20, well, I forget, I forget whenever my wife and I met how many years ago it was. I've, I, I spent the first 26 or 25 years of my life never having seen any of the world, never having ventured out of the few cities that I've lived in because of my fear of flying mm -hmm. and I and I've only seen other areas of the country because my wife has forced me to fly so it was mm -hmm. not my choice I don't see why I would I don't see why I would uh, I don't see why my fear of things would would change anytime soon so eat, what if we come out if of I was, this? If I was fine with just never exploring the, you know, the country outside of, you know, the few cities in California and New Mexico that I've lived in throughout my life, I don't see why I would uh, have such a drive to go to a, a movie theater. This is very sad <laughs> and on many levels. <laughs> But wouldn't you – so then you're never really going to go to a movie. You have no impetus to ever really go to a movie even when they're like, hey, we stopped COVID-19. We actually have a vaccination now. We're good. You you really are just – you're good with – you'll because you go to movies. You went a lot. So now you're like, nah, I don't think I ever need to really go again. I mean if they, if they, if they, if they develop a vaccine and start you know distributing it na nationally, mm -hmm. then – if I didn't go to a movie theater, it would be because I didn't have time or some other factor. It, would, it wouldn't be because I was nervous about getting coronavirus at that point. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay. Um, so getting into these stories, man. Uh, kind of, I, I definitely would have loved to talk about this with everybody. Uh, as much as I, as much as I feel like I would just have become become enraged by whatever Kelby's perspective on this was. Oh, you'd hundred percent be mad. Yeah, but uh, so Warner Brothers is releasing the Snyder Cut dun, dun, dun. of Justice League. The Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut. That sounds. It doesn't even it doesn't even have a good ring to it. That's it's, not good branding. It sounds. It sounds like a. It sounds like a. A German venereal disease. <laughs> My Wiener Schnitzel has the Schneider cut. 
Don't eat it. <laughs> that's, that's, that is not the sauerkraut. Uh, uh, <laughs> eat the sausage. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's sad, um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we truly live in the darkest timeline. Reality TV show star Donald Trump is the president of the United States. A deadly viral apocalypse is ravaging the world. People are looking back favorably on the Star Wars prequels. Ugh. And public opinion has somehow swayed in favor of Zack Snyder's DC movies. How do you mess up so bad that Zack Snyder becomes the underdog? <laughs> so... The long-rumored Snyder cut of director Zack Snyder's Justice League is very much real, and it'll be streaming on HBO Max as an exclusive in 2021. Uh, I want to thank HBO Max and Warner Brothers for this brave gesture of supporting artists and allowing their true visions to be realized. Also, a special thank you to all those involved in the Snyder Cut movement for making this a reality, said Snyder in a statement announcing the news. It's not clear yet from what the uh, uh, what form Snyder's version of the movie will take. Apparently, the director and Deborah Snyder, who produced Justice League and is also married to Zack, um, are still determining whether the director's cut will be released as a nearly four-hour film or divided up into six in a, into a six-part series, no. according to the Hollywood Reporter. The cost of producing the new cut, which is uh, will include re-editing the film, scoring new music, and redoing and adding new visual effects is said to be between 20 to 30 million. You could make a movie for that. You could make a you could make a good movie for that. Yeah. Uh, the Snyder Cut's history is long and convoluted. Snyder originally stepped away from the Justice League after the death of his daughter, and Warner Brothers brought in director Z uh, Joss Whedon, um, who had already been recruited to help this with script rewrites at an earlier stage to oversee reshoots and shepherd the film through editing and post-production. Everything between the studio and Snyder seemed amicable at first, but once the movie was released in November 2017, fans took issue with Whedon's lighter, more comedic contributions to the film. A campaign started not long after the film's initial release for Warner Brothers to deliver a Snyder cut. Um, in the nearly three years since then, release the Snyder cut has developed into a full-force campaign from fans around the world. Online petition petitions were launched. Public demonstrations were held outside the, Warner, outside the Warner Brothers studio in Burbank and Times Square ads were taken out in New York City. Some Snyder Cut campaigning has been positive. The official release of the, the Snyder Cut campaign group has also raised money for suicide awareness um, in tribute to Snyder's daughter. People have, have made friends via the campaign and fans bonded over their favorite Snyder DC movies, which also includes Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Man of Steel. Actors like Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot have also uh, participated in the campaign, tweeting out photos from Justice League with uh, release of Snyder Cut hashtag. Unfortunately, what? <laughs> Did you hear that? No, what did he say? Oh, no, nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, unfortunately, the Snyder Cut campaign also saw Ephraim. Do not say that. Do not say that. Um, the Snyder Cut campaign also saw some of the worst fandom toxicity bubble over in the last few years. People who tweet negatively about the Snyder Cut are inundated with attacks from fans on Twitter. DC Comics creator executive Jeff Johns and Whedon are referred to as snakes on social media by fans upset that Justice League didn't live up to their own expectations or perform well at the box office. 
Um, other directors inside the DC universe at, Uni at Warner, Warner Brothers, like Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins and the Batman's Matt Reeves, are tweeted at by angry fans over their films being made as if the studio is prioritizing their film over producing a finished Snyder Cut of Justice League. Um, there's no question that interest in the Snyder Cut is palpable, both from fans and curious bystanders' perspective. Um, from Warner Media's perspective, it's also the perfect time for the company to announce the project. HBO Max, AT&T, and Warner Media's Crown Jewel streaming service is set to launch on May 27th, bringing as many subscribers to the service from the get-go. Helping to scale as quickly as possible is crucial. Uh, the Snyder Cut can drum up both the interest and signups that Warner Media executives are hoping to see. Um, the biggest conversation release uh, releasing the Snyder Cut brings up, however, is about fan entitlement. Um, one that's similar to a situation the gaming industry saw in 2013 with Mass Effect 3 in an age of growing toxicity. So there's there's two things uh, that I want to talk about with this. Um, the first thing is a question about the, uh, you know, the implications of this uh, with the possibility of them splitting the movie into four different parts. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there's there's a very specific legal conversation to be had about that. And I think it's very interesting. It's something that my friend uh, and friend of the podcast, he's been on the show before, Michael Armendariz brought up to me. And I thought it was a very fascinating concept. So uh, with this story about the legality of this situation, I'm going to throw it to Nostalgia Cast correspondent. Michael Armanderas with a story about the legality of this situation. Hey, Nostalgia Cast. So imagine this. You are Michael J. Fox or Christopher Lloyd. You've just spent all this time filming the sequel to Back to the Future, and at the world premiere, in the middle of the movie, a title card comes up that says, To Be Continued, followed by a bunch of little scenes for a third Back to the Future movie that will come out at some undetermined point in the future. Uh, you're confused. You spent all this time filming a movie that involved you going to 2015, then back to the 80s, then back to the 50s, and then to the Old West, this big rousing epic. And now you've just seen only half of your work, and a third movie is going to be the rest of the work that you just completed. Now that didn't happen. Everyone knows that Back to the Future 2 and 3 were filmed back to back as two separate movies. Uh, the cast and crew of The Three Musketeers and The Four Musketeers from the 70s didn't know that. So they spent all this time working on this grand epic, this adaptation of the Alexander Dumas novel, and they get to the world premiere and only half the movie plays. In the middle of the movie, a trailer comes up and says to be continued in The Four Musketeers coming next year. Now, the cast and crew are upset. They're going insane. Uh, Oliver Reed, maybe even more so, because he is insane no matter what. They spent all this time filming this grand epic, and only half of their movie came out, and they're at the world premiere and are told, no, 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 you filmed two different movies. Now, the real reason was the movie was so over budget and was so losing money that the producers, Alexander and Ilya Salkine, decided, you know what, let's choose this point to be the natural end point of this movie, and then we'll use the rest of this footage that we haven't had time to edit or finish, and we'll make that into The Four Musketeers, and we'll have a sequel. 
Now that may work on paper, but everybody was pretty upset that they spent all this time filming a movie that the studio was now going to be able to market as two movies and make twice the money, essentially, and they weren't going to get any compensation. So a bunch of lawsuits flew back and forth, and what resulted was the Salkind Clause based on the name of the producers, Ilya and Alexander Salkind. The Salkind Clause essentially says in every movie contract now that all of the work that you are doing for a movie as an actor or writer or director or whatever craftsman job has to be done for that movie. You can't take a performance, you can't take different scenes and then put them into a different movie and say that that is for a different movie without compensation. You have to be contractually paid for the movie you were making. This came up again in recent years where people thought that Avengers uh, Endgame was going to further be split into two more movies, but that couldn't be done without paying the actors basically double because it's a brand new movie. It happened in the early 2000s with the Hobbit movies when originally there were going to be two Hobbit movies, but then halfway through production they decided to make them into three Hobbit movies. All of those actors had to be paid for now three movies instead of two. So it's an interesting little distinction on what uh, a person, an actor, or a director makes and is probably going to be interesting, maybe, come next year with the Justice League movie now that it is no longer Justice League that came out in 2017. Now it is Zack Snyder's Justice League. So it's a really weird thing. And interestingly enough, this also came into play on another Superman movie. The Richard Donner Superman was supposed to be a giant four-hour movie, but eventually they decided to cut it into Superman and Superman 2, even though a lot of the footage for Superman 2 was originally filmed for the original Superman movie. And the producers of those Superman movies were, you guessed it, Alexander and Ilya Salkind. Oh. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting because... There, there gets it. There becomes. I mean, number one, there becomes an interesting legal, uh, legal um, clarification that has to be made about whether the Snyder cut is a second movie. Because, oh, I bet you every agent that is repping those actors are like, "That's yeah. a second movie." Fuck yeah, that's a second movie. You need to pay our uh, our actors more. Yeah. So, and then, and then on top of that. If they're going to then be releasing it as a four-part uh, movie mm-hmm. on uh, on HBO Max, then it becomes an even trickier conversation of like, do they get? Do they now have to get paid separately for all four parts of that? Ooh, yes, that's what I say. I say yes. Yeah. So I mean, you heard it here. Dad B. Yeah. Take a Kirk Pinchon says yes. Yes, union. Um, yep, and and so you know, this all dovetails into uh, the the idea of uh, toxic fan toxicity, and um, essentially, I've talked. I, I actually I talked about this a long several episodes ago, a, a lifetime ago at this point, because this was pre quarantine. Yeah. We were talking about it in the yep. studio, yep. Um, and on an earlier episode of Nostalgia Cast, and I think I was talking about it in response to. Star Wars. I think I was talking about yep. Rise of Skywalker and how they retconned all of the stuff that happened in The Last Jedi. Um, and it was basically Disney and J.J. Abrams conspiring to listen to the complaining fans on social media. Um, 
And uh, so I, I talked about this a long time ago, and this is just once again, this brings up the whole thing. So I wanted to read a segment from a from an, an op ed on uh, Collider uh, written by Drew Taylor uh, called Why Releasing Justice League Snyder Cut Sets a Dangerous Precedent. Um, the fact that Warner Brothers has not only acknowledged this incredibly obnoxious fan uproar, but also agreed to, per their demands, hashtag release the Snyder Cut, is mystifying and potentially dangerous. The message is clear. If you bitch and moan enough, chances are that the studio might not only hear you, but agree with you. The fan uproar, which was at the very least very annoying, at the very worst, especially on Twitter, actively threatening, has been vindicated. Their methods have been approved. Everything that they did had a purpose because Warner Brothers has finally given them what they want. We have seen the shadow of the release the Snyder Cut movement rear its ugly head recently with the release of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Fans convinced that J.J. Abrams had an original cut that was far superior to the one that Disney and Kathleen, uh, Kathleen Kennedy released into theaters began whining to release the J.J. Cut. Uh, for as long as the movement has raged, Warner Brothers has done the right thing and simply ignored them. The internet already gave them a voice when they shouldn't have had one. Yesterday, the studios gave them something they never expected but always craved. Legitimacy. And now we're screwed. Fans, displeased by perceived slights, will now be insufferable. Not only will they demand alternate versions of movies more often, but their rhetoric will infect the release of this and any other DC property. If Warner Brothers thought this would uh, quiet them down, it won't. If anything, it will amplify, amplify their voices. The entitlement is already unbearable. You also have to feel for the creative talent involved in trying to fix Snyder's problem. From Whedon to the countless artists and technicians who labored day and night to meet the release date, it also won't be fun for Matt Reeves, director of the forthcoming The Batman, to be asked questions about his ver this version of the character while he's working to establish his own take on the material. So, you know, <clears throat> the two things kind of work in tandem. The financial logistics of doing this in the first place seems kind of insane. Like, mm -hmm. they're going to have to be talking about potentially paying all of these actors, all these big name actors, Ben Affleck's and Gal Gadot's and, you know, Jason Momoa's, like, for a second separate movie or maybe yeah. even for four additional movies and it That's... all seems like it's just not going to be worth it because what are they getting out of this they're they're not they're just going to they're poisoning the well even further because like this op-ed says not only is it not going to quiet them like this isn't going to like make the problem go away if anything it's going to make it worse but it just has set this precedent listen there is nothing wrong with speaking up and like, quote unquote, protesting or petitioning for something that you think needs to happen. Uh, you know, you you know, similar to something like maybe the the Kesha situation where her ability to write and perform and re and record her own original music was being prohibited because she had all of these contract agreements tied up with this producer. Uh, Dr. Luke, who, uh, you know, she alleges, you know, sexually and psychologically ab abused her for years. So she refused to work with him anymore. But legally, she couldn't work without him. So she just wasn't able to make music for like a year. And, you know, she had a lot of fan outcry of people, you know, calling out for there to be justice in this. That's fine. Yeah, it's a different scenario, um, too. And, you know, even in this situation, if people wanted the Snyder Cut released and they were just, you know, calling out for it and 
hashtagging and saying and, and you know what some of the less toxic fans had done where they started a group and they just talked about how they wanted to be released and they even made money for suicide awareness that would also be fine even though it's kind of annoying it's a little bit of a, it's 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 annoying to for whiny fanboys to be like give us this thing but it's fine where the line comes is the fact that these these people like harassed and bullied people mercilessly for years they've been they've been harassing people for years and now they're basically being like all of that behavior all that petulant whining all of that literal bullying and harassment it's validated here's the thing you wanted yeah but it's also even more sad because it's like it's for nothing it's for a movie it's for a piece of entertainment that you are that upset about that you need to just shit on everyone that worked really hard on it. I mean, regardless of Zack Snyder and, the, you know, he got removed or whatever, Josh Whedon probably worked his ass off. All those actors worked their ass off. And to be like, it's not what I want is shitty and pointless. Yeah. Like, here's my hope. My hope is that it comes out in whatever form it comes out and not that it's shitty, but everyone just goes, nah, it's okay. Like, they're I just mean, kind of like, nah, it was, it was fine. It was, it was okay. That's my dream that it's just so average and so whatever that they put all this effort into it. It's just like, nah, it's okay. I mean, to cap this whole thing off, here's my cold take. Hit it. The movie's going to suck. <laughs> it's not going to be good still. I mean, it wasn't good when it came out. So how's it going to be? It wasn't good when it, it came out. Batman v Superman was terrible. Man of Steel was terrible. This is what I was alluding to in the very beginning with my whole, like, this is the darkest timeline. How have we gotten to this place where Zack Snyder has become the underdog? How have we gotten to this place where public opinion is swayed towards, like, demanding to see Snyder's version of something? Yeah. And these I mean, movies suck. He, he sucks. This is, is not going to be good. So this version made like what? Like they're saying $658 million and that's considered a flop for this. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah, because I'm, I'm just sure. I'm sure it costs just so much money to make. I'm curious. What if it had been the exact same movie and it had been a juggernaut? But there's still the same bitching. So the same bitching still happens from fanboys. They're like, this isn't the Zack Snyder. Get free the Zack Snyder cut. But it made a billion dollars. Would the studio have been like, fuck off? Or would they have been like, oh, well, let's redo it. Let's think about it. I mean, I don't know if it's specifically about that one movie, but I think the, I think probably a big reason why Warner Brothers has made this move is more about the overarching failure that is the DC universe. Like this is an animal backed into a corner who's like reacting desperately mm-hmm. at this point. Like it's not about it's not about the perceived specific failure of the Justice League movie. It's about the fact that all of these movies save for 3 Wonder Woman, uh Aquaman and Shazam. What about Joker too, right? Uh, oh yeah, well I mean that's but that's not part of the DCEU though. That's like a that's like a separate thing. Oh okay. That's not part of the DC universe. But in okay. terms of trying to have put this DC universe together, 
it's just been such an overall failure that this is just like somebody just desperately trying to salvage a like you know a seven year failure however long they've been trying to do this but that brings up a a really good point because what if it sucks like like again you're like it's going to suck but what if it tanks like what if it tanks on HBO and it gets reamed by critics and people are like oh wow they should never have released this this was a bad idea then it just it just made everything worse yeah and that's that's what's going to happen I'll be really happy if it does. That'll make me laugh. I have no pony in it because I saw Justice League and I was kind of like, ah, it's whatever. So if this is, I'm going to just have a good chuckle if this is just worse. I have a, I have a big, fat, don't over grass fed pony in this. (laughs) Just, just out on on the track, barely able to stand. (laughs) Zack Snyder sucks. Just. Eating oats, yeah, just big old pony, just a just a, a a bag of oats strapped to its face, just just puking them back up and eating them again in this never ending cycle. Will you watch it when it's on HBO? No. Okay, interesting. Not Mostly, even hate. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not right. gonna see that. I applaud. I applaud you. I applaud you. Um. So. Uh, it's been announced. To my What's, I, what is going? What is happening? Oh my god! This is horrifying. And did you just take your pants off? I wasn't wearing them. No, I don't. I don't have the key. Uh, my my wife was asking if I had the key to the car. Okay. Um, I mean, if you're taking your pants off, I'm here for it. Oh, they're off. Um, they were never on. Uh, so, uh, Timothy Oliphant has been there. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna start with the Cobbs because I don't Ooh. even. Wa- I don't even. Be- I don't want to mislead people because the be- click. Be- okay. The clickbait be- of this. Yeah. The clickbait of this is Timothy Oliphant has been cast as Boba Fett in the Mandalorian. But that's the clickbait yeah. version of the story because in reality, the story is Timothy Oliphant has been cast to wear Boba Fett's armor in the Mandalorian season two. Or not not even been cast. He are he this they already shot this. He is, it's a surprise reveal that he is in season two. Uh but the distinction is it's saying he is wearing Boba Fett's armor in season two, which Boba Fett's dead. Okay. He's dead. Oh, okay. He was, he was killed in return of the Jedi. So he's not, Boba Fett is not in this. And I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that confirmed? Did he really die? Is that a, cause I remember the movie. Did he, is it really like he died? He gets, he gets sucked. He he falls into the Sarlacc pit and, the whole okay. thing about the Sarlacc I guess is that's that it, true. it eats okay. you and digests your body for 7,000 years or whatever the number that's is. That's right. That's uh, right. But there's fan theories about how he was saved. <coughs> and I think there might be extended universe novels in which he is alive and they explain it away by saying he was saved. But the extended universe novels are no longer canon. They've been stri- stricken uh, from okay. the canon. So 
he's dead. There are right. fan theories, and I think maybe extended universe novel stuff that explains that he's alive. Um, but he's dead. That the he's in, in in terms of the official canon, as far as we know, he's dead. Okay. So you know, Boba Fett isn't gonna be in the Mandalorian because he's dead. Uh, but uh, what this is saying is that Timothy Oliphant is playing a character who wears Boba Fett's armor. Mm-hmm. So he has Boba Fett's armor and he wears it. So this, this could be any Joe Bag of Donuts. Yeah, it could be like a surprise reveal that Timothy Oliphant is Boba Fett and that Boba Fett is alive. Or it's just like, <coughs> you know, hello, my name is Staphon Garblechomps. And oh, he's so good at that. I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a merchant from the moons of Zorpomp and I discovered a ship in my travels that belonged to a bounty hunter named Boba Fett. And I found his spare set of armor and now I wear it. It could just be that. It would be great if it was, if he's just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fighter. I'm a merchant. I can sell you some things, I sir. just think this looks badass. <laughs> I would love it. Timothy Oliphant is in Mandalorian 2 and does not fight. Yeah, he's just he's just a shopkeeper. He's just a ba- shopkeeper. That's, that's basically cosplaying as Boba Fett. <laughs> oh, my God. I would pay top dollar for that. First of all, I love Timothy Oliphant. And just the trolling of him slowly revealing that it's him with this Boba Fett. And he's like, you know, this Boba Fett helmet's for sale. I'm just wearing it to promote yeah, it. You can you can you can buy it right off of me. <laughs> yep. I don't care. How however many shekels you want me to give or you want, I'll take it. Yes. Shekels, the, yes. the currency of the Star Wars universe. In my in my fan fiction, that's what I call it. Um Legally Blonde 3 is officially in production. Or not in production. Nothing's in production. It's going <laughs> to be burning. in production. Uh, starring Reese Witherspoon and written by, co-written by Mindy Kaling. Uh, today announced that was announced that Legally Blonde 3 is officially in the works. The project will be a collaborative effort between the film's original studio, MGM, and Reese Witherspoon's production company, Hello Sunshine. Hello Sunshine. Money Penny. Give me that Legally Blonde 3 script. You're almost getting into Bane territory there. <laughs> oh. oh <laughs> Wait, you don't have your thing, do you? This. Oh, okay. <laughs> it kind of does still work. I'm the sparkling version of Bane. This, this Bane is the best Bane. It should have always been a bottle. It should have always been a soda stream bottle. <laughs> You were you merely adopted the sparkling water. I was born into it. I didn't see a LaCroix until I was a man, and by then it was merely bubbles. Bane shilling for soda stream. They've gotta get somebody since they fired Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> oh wait, no, that wasn't what it was. No. She was Scar- the spokes She was the spokesperson for Soda Stream, but Soda Stream is a is an is is a uh what is a yeah? She was the spokesperson for SodaStream, but SodaStream is owned by a controversial Israeli c- company or something like that, and she was part of some Jewish coalition, and she got kicked out of it for doing the SodaStream commercial. Oh, it's not. Uh, I'm looking it up. I thought it was Jillian uh, Michaels. 
No, she did a she Scarlett Johansson did a Soda Stream commercial and it was highly controversial because the uh Oh, here it is. Oh shit. What's the story? I forget the details of it. All I know is that I'm the new spokesperson for Soda Stream. <laughs> Cuz you'll do it all for the money. You yes. don't care about the controversy. I have no allegiances in the Israeli-Palestine conflict. Your bane. That legit was the best bane. Thank you. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> Soda Stream. Who who knew that all I had to do was change bottles? <laughs> That's all it took. Um so yeah, so there it's in production or it's going into production. Uh and Reese Witherspoon is confirmed to reprise her role as Elle Woods, and uh Mindy Kaling is co-writing the script along with Parks and Rec writer and Brooklyn Nine Nine co-creator Dan Gore. Oh, that's um, awesome. I'm here for this. This sounds good. I've never seen the first two, but because of who is involved now, I totally go I would totally watch it. Uh yeah, my 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 mom loves Legally Blonde. I joking. We whenever I was in high school, we got a we got a Chihuahua, and uh, in Legally Blonde, she has a pet Chihuahua named Bruiser. Mm-hmm. And I jokingly suggested that we named him Bruiser, and I shouldn't. I should have known what I was saying because that became the dog's name. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah, that's your fault. Um. The union marks the third collaboration between Reese and Mindy. Uh, the first, you know, these this writer is on first name basis with these two people. Yeah. Um, the first being a wrinkle in time, and the second being the morning show. Um, no word on if Luke Wilson reprises his role as Emmett. But let's be honest, he'll do it. Yeah. And let me <laughs> it's just not say this. Be a problem. Let me just say this. Aside from your joke about how Luke Wilson doesn't have a whole lot going on, here's my hot take. Okay. Luke Wilson. Superior Wilson brother. False. True. False. I don't hate Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson is low key, way funnier than Owen Wilson. False. Low key. That's you being like an alt boy who's like, no, I like the deeper cuts. You know, I'm into I'm into the stuff that's, you know, the B sides. Luke Wilson is the B side? Luke Wilson is the B-side. Owen Wilson is the single. Luke Wilson is the B-side that may or may not work. Jaden. Oh, bringing, bringing the hot guns in now. Jaden, where are you at? <laughs> Mr. Watson, I need you. <laughs> See, she uh, knows. She's, she's outside. Yeah. I was going to ask her. No, Owen Wilson's definitely better. No. What... What's your favorite Luke Wilson movie? Wait, hang on. Don't say Idiocracy because Idiocracy is great. Idiocracy is great and he's great in it. Take out Idiocracy. Old school? He's the least effective person in old school. No. Oh, don't even. All together. You're not going to say that Luke Wilson is the funniest part of old school. I'm not going to let you say that. I didn't say he was the funniest part. He is is the straight, serviceable straight man. He's he's a lot funnier than people give him credit for. All right, let's pull, let's pull up. Let's pull up his. He's no Owen. I'm gonna pull up his. Uh, you pull up Luke. I'm gonna pull up Owen Wilson. And they're gonna have, we're gonna have a Wilson off right now. I mean, come on. 
look, I'm going to tell you right now, Owen Wilson can do behind enemy lines. Luke Wilson cannot. I mean, that's debatable if Owen Wilson was able to do behind enemy lines. (laughs) Behind the enemy lines is a fine film that Luke Wilson could not do. Oh yeah, he was he was he was he was good in Three Ten to Yuma, the remake. Luke Wilson was in Three Ten to Yuma. Yeah, he was like one of the. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Idiocracy, um, of course. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zazow Zazu for Owen. Wedding Crashers. Need I say, Cars? The Family, the family Stone is good. I'm going to hit you with a little The Darjeeling Limited. I didn't say I didn't say that he has m- more good movies than Owen Wilson. I'm specifically saying that he hasn't been given the chance to shine. You said he was better than Owen. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he has been given the opportunity to shine. He's had also, plenty of opportunities terms, to shine. <laughs> in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of um, Wes Anderson films, the Royal Tannenbaums. They're both yeah, and, and 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 Owen's Luke, better in it. Luke Luke Wilson is is great in it. He's he's fine. Let's he's see. fine. Home fries. Uh, oh, let me let me hit you with a Luke Wilson movie. My super ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's classic. Bottle rocket. It's mean, classic. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Luke Wilson, underrated. I'm saying underrated. A, a serviceable B-side if uh, his brother Owen is busy. No. No. Okay. So here we go. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. <laughs> yes. Ooh la la. Netflix censors Back to the Future 2 scene and fans aren't having it. It has just been discovered that Netflix censored one scene from the Back to the Fu- from Back to the Future Part Two. <coughs> Subscribers are not happy with the streaming platform at the moment over the censorship. Disney Plus has come under fire for editing some of their content, like the Tom Hanks movie Splash, which we talked about mm-hmm. on a previous episode. The edit is really awkward and pretty much unnecessary, much like Netflix's move to edit out a little bit of Back to the Future Part Two. In the aforementioned Back to the Future Two scene. Michael J. Fox's character, Marty McFly, thinks he finally got his hands on the sports almanac, only to find out it's actually Biff's French girly magazine called Ooh La La. In the original clip, Marty flips through the pages, finds the cover, and starts to get upset, and saying, Ooh La La! Ooh La La! You sound like Jerry Seinfeld. Ooh La La! <laughs> What's the deal? What's, What's the, the deal with Ooh La La? You get onto a plane. <laughs> you look into the magazines. You have Sky Mall. Where's the ooh la la? Show me the ooh la la. Uh, in the Netflix version of the sequel, Marty still finds the girly magazine, but we do not see the cover, and he does not say ooh la la over and over again. Uh, just like the edit from Splash on Disney Plus, the Netflix edit of Back to the Future is just as unnecessarily and just as poorly done. This is not necessarily my opinion. I'm I'm reading from a blurb that was written. Uh, but you are disgusted with the ooh la la and find it offensive, right? Yes. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, obviously, fans of the trilogy are not happy with the decision, and they are shouting about it online. If they sloppily edited this beloved trilogy, who knows what other films they've tampered with 
without you even noticing, asks one fam on social media. Another person says, you cut out the magazine cover Discovery and two lines from Marty, and not even that well. Your edit was sloppy as fuck. What gives? Um, these editing decisions from streaming platforms have many consumers going back to physical media. That seems like an exaggeration. Yeah, way uh, exaggerated. So, it's like a massive, like, everybody cancel your subscriptions <laughs> and start buying DVDs again. Go That's, to Redbox. Yeah, this I'm, I'm reading from an article and this person who wrote this is making some leaps in logic. Oh, yeah. Um, these edit. Uh, uh, so now Netflix censored Back to the Future 2. The censorship is bullshit. Uh, is why I still buy physical media. So he's just taking one person's tweet yeah. and, and attributing uh, a, a, an industry-wide purge to it. Um, others are just worried about the poor quality control and wondering if it could have been a mistake in the transfer process since it looks so bad. As of this writing, Netflix has yet to respond to any of the complaints on social media in regard to Back to the Future 2 and the weirdly placed edit. So uh, let's 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 take a look at these. Let's. I'm going to show you... Okay. The original scene. Um, can't really can't really convey this to the the audio listener listeners at home, but let's take a look at this and just get our you know our yeah. Uh, oh, Don't get mad if I get aroused. Yeah, I mean, and once again, we can't help you out, audio listeners listeners at home. You're not gonna be able to see that, but yeah, I'm I'm seeing it. <laughs> You're there. Um, original scene. And then this is the version that exists on Netflix currently. But wait. So wait, what? The difference, the difference between the two is um, in the original version, he 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 gets the the almanac or what he thinks is the almanac, the you know with the cover, and then he opens it up and starts flipping through the pages, and you see that it's some kind of weird like nineteen fifties like risque pinup magazine, mm -hmm. and then he flips through it and then he shuts it and he sees the cover, and this is what the cover looks like. So this is the shot from the movie where he sees the cover and then he goes, ooh la la. And then it cuts to a uh, a medium of him from the front and he gets up and he backs towards the wall and he goes, ooh la la, ooh la la. And then he throws it. And in the edited version, he gets it out of the trash can. He flips through the pages. It still shows the pages inside. Yeah. But then before he shuts it, it cuts away. It cuts to that medium shot from the front. So it cuts out the little chunk where he shuts the magazine and you see the cover. And then it cuts out the first two ooh la la's. And then it just shows him going ooh la la and then throwing it. So it's Fuck really these people. It's really weird because number one, 
the cover of the magazine is just completely tame. It's yeah. like, I mean, you're looking at it right now. It's completely tame. It's it's not even risque at all. It's basically no. just a woman wearing clothes. It's a woman it's, in a nighty. That's yeah. it. It's it, it's like a it's like a fake PG version. Like when you watch a cartoon and like one of the characters is looking at what is supposed to be like a playboy, but the playboy is just a woman like fully clothed cuz obviously they can't show that in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a fake kids version of what a naughty magazine is <clears throat> um so it, it it's already weird that they would cut this out because it's just it's not even controversial at all um and then they cut out two of him like number one like why would they cut out him saying ooh la la in the first place because ooh la la isn't anything it's not a curse word it's it's just it's just fringe it's a fringe exclamation of like Ooh, it's like it's it's like basically the French equivalent of being like that's saucy, naughty. Um, and then, but then they 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 cut him out. They cut out him saying it two times, but leave it in the last time. So the whole thing is just weird and wonky. Um, I, I just got everything about this is stupid because people complain. I, I thought that the whole like. Risque magazine and the ooh la la thing was cut. Like it sounded like that whole thing was cut. It's not just a portion of it. So if you're getting mad that you got one ooh la la instead of two and that the scene cut out weird or quick, go read a book. Go fuck yourself. Stop complaining about little stupid shit like that. This is nothing. This yeah. is zero. I hate people. Yeah, I it, it's it's funny because I, I I totally agree with you, uh, but I also I basically have like two opinions that are kind of opposing. Like I have mm-hmm. two. I have I, like my first opinion is like that the actual well three things. I have okay. I have I have two opinions and then one theory. Okay. Uh, my first opinion is that the what was censored. It makes no sense and it's weird and dumb. Yeah. And it seems unnecessary. Yeah. Um, like the thing that they cut out isn't even like explicit at all. And they it's, show it the, anyway. The way that they cut it out is strange and confusing. Uh, and it just the whole thing seems completely unnecessary. But on the same hand, it's so um it's so insignificant that it's just so dumb that people are having this reaction to it and being yeah. like, this is bullshit. It's censorship. I'm canceling my Netflix. How many other movies have they butchered and we don't even know it? It's Go like, to it's, physical media now. Yeah, it's such a it's such a stupid. It's just going back to the Le- Justice League conversation. It's yeah, exactly. Just like it's toxic. Petulant, whiny babies. Yeah. Like, it's like a slight change. If you don't like it, then yeah, buy it on fucking DVD, you yeah. idiot. Um, now, my th- but my theory is, though, I have a theory. Okay. And my theory is because if you, the, the, the details of the edit, they don't make logistical sense. The thing that they've edited is not risque. Yes. Um, the thing 
they didn't even edit it out properly because they cut out him saying ooh la la twice, but then they leave it in the third time. Yeah, and they leave in the magazine. So this is my theory. Mm-hmm. My theory was is that this was not done on purpose by Netflix. My theory is that they just got a hold of a certain cut of Back to the Future 2 that already had this edit and they didn't notice. And I think that this cut is probably some old random television cut of the movie Mm -hmm. because for Netflix to purposely and deliberately make the decision to cut that part out, it makes no sense because it's not even bad. And also the way that it's edited is strange. Yeah. Um, But it makes sense for being a television cut because there's all these very specific rules that you have to follow on to for the for the uh the FCC or the FCC is that the right thing? What am I thinking? Yeah, of? yeah, FCC. Yes, sorry, I was. Yeah, I got confused for a second between the FCC and the FDA. Um, there's all these specific rules that you have to follow for the FCC to be able to air something, and one of them I do know is that there is a difference between, um. Oh, not only the FCC for television, but also like the MPAA for like. Oh, movies. yeah. 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 And so it, it could be a television cut or it could also be like a DVD cut. Um, and the reason why I say that is because there's these specific rules you have to follow for the FCC or the MPAA. Um, and one of them is that you can actually get a rating bumped down or you can, you know, or you can, you know, get the permission to air something if, you know, if you change slight little details and one of them is you can actually get something bumped down in a rating if you take something and you make it turn it from color to black and white. So like blood, if you change the color of blood from red to some other color or if you make it black and white, you can actually get your rating bumped down from rated R or whatever. Uh, And so a lot of filmmakers will like do these weird little loopholes to just barely squeeze into another category or barely just squeeze it past the requirements to be approved for airing. So they'll do these little like bare minimum subtle tweaks to get that rating or get that approval. And so this looks to me much more like somebody making this subtle little tweak to Mm -hmm. to qualify. And the reason why I say that is because they show the pages in the magazine, but they cut out the cover. Yes. And yes. that's because the pages in the magazine are black and white photos and the cover is a color photo. So uh. to me, that seems like somebody trying to squeeze past an FDA or FDA. I said it. I fucked up. I did, <laughs> did, I did it the again. Fuck up You're on a roll too. To me, that seems like somebody trying to squeeze past the requirements of an FCC or MPAA guideline. Because they cut out the color photo of a woman in a nightie or whatever, but they left in the black and white photos of the same thing. Um, so that just seems to me like somebody being like, oh, we just technically need to get rid of this one thing, but we're going to leave in the rest of the shots. And I think that Netflix just accidentally got a hold of an old special cut of the movie where somebody was trying to... Um, get the cut approved to be released on DVD or on te- on television. 
I love that theory. I agree with it too, because there's there's literally no other explanation. Netflix wouldn't waste the time and effort to yeah. do that tiny little cut. And I'm glad that people are mad. And I hope that theory comes out and people feel dumb about their complaining. Yes. Um, from one angry fan story to the next. Um, <laughs> uh, from one uh, story of whiny, petulant man babies complaining on social media to the next. Um, Kellogg's has redesigned Toucan Sam and fans are not amused. Jesus. Kellogg's has given Fruit Loops mascot Toucan Sam a makeover. Breakfast cereal cartoon mascot aficionados aren't loving it. <laughs> Which, if you're a breakfast cereal cartoon <laughs> yeah, mascot aficionado, you need to rethink some things. That's some um, niche. <clears throat> uh, and this comes from somebody who collects toys. Uh... Toucan Sam has been a recognizable animated ambassador for Kellogg's Fruit Loops brand since 1968. Last week, the company unveiled the new look for the cartoon character. The new design is brighter and simpler. It's more in line with the cartoons that the kids who make up the brand's target demographic watch than those of their parents' youth. But longtime Fruit Loops devotees have uh, taken the new look as a slap in the face and are airing their grievance on social media. Manuel R. Vega created Toucan Sam. Mel Blanc... The original voice of Bugs Bunny voiced the character in its first appearance, making use of pig Latin phrases. Uh, Paul Fries re replaced Blanc and uh, Mel Blanc. I don't know why I said Blanc. Because you're classy. Um, yeah, classy. Um, uh, and gave Sam his better known English accent. Uh, following Fries' death in 1986, Maurice LaMarche has given Sam his voice. In 2013, Sam made the jump into the third dimension with a CGI animated campaign. Now he's back and more flat than ever. Uh, so let's take a look at the new Toucan Sam here. Let's do it. Ooh la la. <laughs> Ooh la la. Um, oh, I'm so here for this Toucan Sam. This Toucan Sam can get it. Yeah. So That's good. Um, I, I, I like the, the, the design. I think yeah. it's cool. I obviously have nostalgia for the old Toucan Sam, mm -hmm. but I like this too. Um, this feels I, retro in a sense as well. Yeah. I, I like it. I, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's cool. Uh, however I do there. So one of the like quote unquote angry fans, um, actually did, um, do a like a fan edit and I actually kind of like the fan edit too I, I do I, I I still like the real thing but somebody mm -hmm. like quote unquote fixed it and I think their fix is also pretty good oh I, I'm the fix is good too I'm good with both I'm really good with both I love the hashtag not my toucan yeah Jesus Christ people um no, this is good. That fan one is that redesign is good. I like them both. Yeah, I like the redesign. I like the original. I like the new one. I got no problem with any of this. Uh, and if you're if you're whining about a cereal mascot, um, go whine know, about man. Justice I don't know, League. Man, then. like read a fucking like <laughs> find it. I don't. I don't even know. I, I, don't, I don't know. What, I don't so know. What you can, I don't know what you can do. I, just, I mean, you got to do something. Go for a walk. <laughs> think about how you're acting, and realize 
that we're probably all going to die in the next couple of months and maybe take your worries elsewhere. Kiss your family. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know. Just Eat a nice piece of fish. Yeah. Here's the thing. Do you like Fruit Loops? Uh, they're not. They're not my favorite. I remember liking them. So you know what? Enjoy. Enjoy the Fruit Loops. They're still going to taste the same sugary goodness. Yeah, it'll be the same thing. You'll be okay. You'll Eat be okay, Loops. guys. Eat the Fruit Loops. Maybe take a moment of self reflection and realize that uh, cartoons and cartoon mascots for cereals are uh, created, designed, and marketed towards tiny children, and you're forty. <laughs> That's a good life lesson. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's what that's what uh, that's what old Toucan Sam looks I like, like now. It looks good. Follow your looks nose good. to the places it goes. Yeah. The flavors of fruit, wherever they grow. The flavors of um, sugar, but that's okay. Yeah. No fruit involved whatsoever. Nope. Uh, last story before we take a quick break. Um, uh, and it's a quick story. There's not really a whole lot to it. Uh, we talked about how they were going to make a Scream 5. I forget if that was a thing we talked about on an episode or if it was what I talked about in last No, we talked about episode. it because we all were like, if Nev Campbell's not involved, we're not Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, so David Arquette has been confirmed to reprise his role as Dewey in the new Scream movie. I guess that's fine. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's, what that's what else news. do you say? Nothing. I mean, I guess good for him. So on that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to do our regular segment. Can you go for that? After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back. And now we're going to do our regular segment. While Kirk drinks out of a... Right? Star Wars cup, even though he's never seen any of the movies. <laughs> we got it for free. Uh, and that segment is called... Can you go for that? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, can you? Oh, can you go for that? Can you go for that? Oh, oh. Can you, can you go for that? Can you go for that? This is the remix. Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Have you noticed that uh, today's episode has been way sexier? Oh, 100%. I mean, good God. It's just dripping with it. The pure, just animalistic, <laughs> will they, won't they... <laughs> Tension is just uh, palpable. Yeah, I mean, you could just feel it coming through the computer. But the it's so thick that it just like messed up my headphones. My headphones I mean, couldn't handle it. Now I'm, I can't get them to work properly. There it is go. full on salad milkies. Uh, I've I've remixed the song. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't off the top to of your that. dome. I didn't plan to do that. It that's the sec- That's the sensuality. Um. God damn it. My headphones just, they don't want, they aren't ready for this jelly. <laughs> too much, too much for them to handle, man. Couldn't take it. Could not put what we were, could not pick up what we were putting down. Nope. 
we we have we have one uh candy girl for that story okay um and <laughs> it's gonna be a little it's gonna be a little anticlimactic because i feel like this is not gonna mean really anything to you it doesn't uh, but i'm i'm willing i'm willing uh, i'm here uh this this stories like this work better when you have when you have uh kelby here to be like hey you got sonic you, you own those rights you get that bag i i can go for that people are making money so i'm down i mean you basically just summed it up for him and so. then you have tyler being like but the rock his his toxic masculinity is uh you know a, a blight on humanity's history i mean you're you're proving the point that we don't need either of them you're right you're absolutely yeah. right uh Dwayne Johnson is reportedly in talks to play Knuckles in the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Um uh while critics have been on the a bit on the fence in regards to Sonic the Hedgehog, it seems audiences are falling head over head over heels for the lovable gaming icon's screen debut, big screen debut. Um the first live action adaptation of Sega's mascot voiced here by Ben Schwartz also stars James Marsden and Jim Carrey as Dr. Dr. Robotnik slash Eggman and has been labeled a solid family film for audiences of all ages to enjoy. Much praise has been showered upon Carrie too to bring uh, who brings his trademark comedy to the role. And now with a solid opening weekend under its belt, it seems Paramount is already making plans for a sequel uh, with Sonic the Hedgehog 2 reportedly a sure thing now. At least that's according to our sources. The mm -hmm. same ones who told us uh, uh, no, f scratch that. I'm not going to read that part. Um, uh, but better yet, it's that is that we're hearing the studio is talking to Dwayne Johnson to play Knuckles. Um, earlier this week, we heard reports that the man known as The Rock would be uh, could be involved in a follow up. And now our sources say that while it's not a sure thing just yet, he is indeed in talks. Uh, uh, and again, the role he'd be taking on would be Knuckles. Um how Knuckles would factor into Sonic the Hedgehog 2 isn't entirely clear just yet, but having a megastar like Dwayne Johnson bring him to life would no doubt give the sequel a huge boost at the box office, and just the very fact that The Rock is interested certainly bodes well for the franchise's future. The Rock as Knuckles in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Do you have an opinion on this character you don't know from a franchise that you don't know for a movie that you didn't see the first part of? Uh, I could go for that strictly for The Rock. I mean, based on uh, on the man's, you know, catalog, sure. Uh, my one big question, two big questions. Is Knuckles something that Sonic the Hedgehog, Hedgehog people go, fuck, yeah, it's about they need to put they need to put Knuckles in. They got to have the Knuckles. It can't be a movie without the Knuckles. Knuckles is. Yeah, I mean, Knuckles is kind of like the fan favorite character. Okay. He's like the, you know, he's like the Wolverine or. Oh. The, you know, like, yeah, he's, he's like the, he's like the fan favorite character. This, this is, this is Knuckles, the echidna. I honestly thought that that was just a red Sonic. Nah, he's an echidna. Sonic's a hedgehog. Knuckles is an echidna. Okay. This is making me like this less. He has, he has spiky knuckles that help him claw, crawl up oh, walls. Oh, Okay. Um, Why does he have Lego shoes? Uh, I think those are just supposed to be weird stylized okay. shoe lace holes. All right. 
I can see The Rock as this. Yeah. He's, Rock's got good comic timing. He knows how to sell a movie. Sure. Yeah. I can go for that. Uh, yeah, I can I can go for that too. I, t- I talked in depth about about the Sonic movie and how I how much I enjoyed it and not only enjoyed it, but also really loved the way that they set up a sequel at the end where it seemed like they were going to get deeper into the actual mythology of the Sonic the Hedgehog universe and kind of bring in all the cool stuff that like people who are really into Sonic know about. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to have to have Knuckles in it. And uh, although it doesn't chronologically in terms of matching up with the franchise, it doesn't make sense to bring Knuckles in yet. Uh, because, you know, if you're just going by the original games, um, Sonic the Hedgehog was the, you know, the first, the first Sonic game, uh, brought it, you know, it was just Sonic. It was a solo adventure. So you get to know the character, you get to know the, the concept of the game, how the mechanics of it work. And then in Sonic the Hedgehog two, they brought in Tails and then you could play two players and you could have one player playing Tails and the other playing Sonic. And you, you know, it was just, it was an augmentation of that first game. Um, and then in Sonic the Hedgehog 3, then they brought in Knuckles. So it seems a little soon to bring in Knuckles. Like, let's focus on Sonic and Tails and their relationship first before we try to cram in too many characters. But other than that, yeah, sure, I can go for that. Is Knuckles a, a, a villain or a partner? He's an anti-hero. He's like a, he's like, um, he's like that character that comes in and out of the story and they're sometimes an ally they're not outright evil but they're mm-hmm. not necessarily good i tell you um i would take the rock over luke wilson in this role 100 percent. actually i could totally see luke wilson as knuckles and i'd be i could go for that i could see luke wilson doing it and then producers going oh shit we meant to get owen <laughs> they just accidentally <laughs> cast him yeah so like, they're like oh. fuck I, I smudged the contract. <laughs> yep. Sorry, it's, we read it real quick and we were in a hurry. And it's like, uh, oh, we, we, called, we called you guys' house and <laughs> Luke answered and we just felt too awkward to tell him that we wanted to talk to Owen. And so we just kind of like accidentally one thing led to another and now Luke Wilson's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And in our defense, he did say wow a couple of times and we thought it was you. Yeah. That would be the best story ever. And that would make me want to see this movie. But yeah, The Rock, sure, do it. Yep. And that has been a very short edition of... Can you go for that? Oh, can you go for that? The remix is ending. Time to die in this apocalypse. In this apocalypse that we're in. But can you go for that? I don't, I can't go for that. Skin. I think, about, I think I'm going to remix the song from now on. I mean, I, I insist that you remix the song from now on. Uh, last couple of stories before we wrap up the show. Uh, you know, thankfully there's no uh, more death to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. But a, a couple, a couple of lighthearted, Strange stories to end things. Uh, the first one, uh, uh, Kirk, you have no idea what this is, but we did talk I about it. I don't get previous, this at all. Yes, yeah, so we, we talked this. about it on a previous episode. That is your your introduction or your knowledge of this comes from a previous episode where we did discuss uh, gargoyles. Yes. Um, 
quickly uh, pull up a picture of them just to refresh your memory. We did talk about these characters, this show, on a previous episode. That gargoyles. Okay, got it. Yep. Um, yep. Keith, Keith David was the voice of the main yes. character. Got it. Um, so uh, the show is sort of notable as it was a show developed for um, the Disney afternoon uh, syndicated program block that was like, you know, one of the, you know, back in the day, back in the 90s, you know, you had like TGIF was like the big primetime sitcom block. Disney afternoon was this for like afternoon weekend cartoons on Disney. And uh, Gargoyles was notable for being like not only like far and away the darkest and most serious of the cartoons, but uh, that was on that programming block. But, you know, being one of the darkest and most serious kids cartoons, you know, that had ever been created up to that point. And also, you know, just being very um, being very, uh, you know, not only serious in tone, but but like going for these like longer story arcs and being very ambitious in the storytelling uh, for a cartoon. It was, it was kind of revolutionary in that way. Um, But it was canceled after two seasons. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's, it's one of those shows that has just always kind of had that legacy of it or that legend of it, of just like, it got canceled before it's time. Like, bring back Gargoyles. Um, so, in a recent interview, Greg Wiseman, one of the co-creators of Gargoyles, says that it was O.J. Simpson's fault that Gargoyles got canceled. Uh, okay. Gargoyles fans would be well within their rights to think that Xanatos, in one of his many successful gambits, ultimately brought an end of the title team. Xanatos was the bad guy in oh, Okay. Uh, but that's not the case. According to the action-packed animated series co-creator Greg Wiseman, it was another notorious 90s name that brought down the Winged Heroes. O.J. Simpson, the Juice, Orenthal <laughs> James himself. The Juice. Uh, you ever seen Juice on the Loose, the documentary about O.J. Simpson directed by Martin Scorsese? What? Yeah. No, I just saw the, the ESPN thing, which it was, was amazing. It's, well, it's from the 70s. Mm, mm. It, it, before he I've was heard a, it. Yes. a murderer. Yes. Okay, I've heard of that. Yes. Uh, it was, Never it seen it, but heard. It was, a do, it was a documentary about his career as a football player that was directed yes. by... Did not know it was Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Um, uh, now, if you think about it for a moment, it makes sense. Simpsons' murder case was all that the media and TV watchers wanted to see throughout the majority of 1995. The whole circus meant a lot, pop culturally, pop culturally speaking, but for Gargoyles, which had just launched its ambitious second season with daily episodes all September long, it meant the beginning of the end. Um, in a new interview with Polygon, Wiseman marks the often interrupted airings of new Gargoyles episodes as one of the factors in the show's original down uh, in the show's downfall. So basically, when they when they premiered the season season two of Gargoyles, they tried this very experimental uh, approach where they showed a new episode every day. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay. But they happened to do this when the Simpson trial was going on. And so the, the show was constantly getting interrupted by breaking news and uh, special reports. 
and he thinks that it caused the show to get canceled. Hmm. I was originally going to say bullshit, but now I can kind of see what he's going for. But wait, where was it? Wait, what channel was it on? If it was on a Disney channel, the Disney channel doesn't interrupt. Um, I think it was, well, the, the Gargoyles was, let's see. It wasn't just on, because it wasn't on Disney channel. Um, okay. I actually, I actually don't think Disney channel. Oh, in the 95, maybe at not. That point. Maybe it did. Uh, Disney Channel started out as a pay cable station. Okay. Um, and let, let me let's see where this where this aired. Um, animated television series. Um, was noted for its. Bang bang. Aired. Disney afternoon. Because yeah, I mean, if it was, if it, the only way to be interrupted is if it was uh, the main networks. So I, that's why I'm, I'm just, like, kind I'm, of, I'm trying, trying to find trying it file. out. I think it was, I think it was on, yeah, it was the Disney afternoon was aired on CBS and NBC. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, here, okay, yeah. So, uh, um, before, um. Let's see when when did when did Disney when did Disney buy ABC? Nineteen ninety six. Yeah. So before, uh, so Disney bought ABC, and that's uh, ABC okay. is a I Disney the company. Now. They bought it in nineteen ninety six. Before that, they had instead of having, you know, like the whole Disney's whole thing now, especially now with Disney Plus, is like their stuff is on their own owned and operated yes. channels like they have the Disney channel and they have ABC and the adult stuff goes on ABC and the kids stuff goes on Disney channel but back then they had a syndication deal um, okay then that makes sense then it was probably interrupted okay yeah I could see that then um, I was gonna cry bullshit but now I, I, I kind of get it damn you OJ this is the worst thing you've done. <laughs> of all the things that OJ did in his life, this easily is the worst. This has caused the most pain and suffering. Yes. I mean, this is why he should have gone to jail. Second only to... No. It, it, go, <laughs> it, goes, it goes this. In, in, in the scale of horrible, terrible, reprehensible things that OJ Simpson has done... Yep. Number one is this. Number yes. two is creating the Kardashian sisters. Yep. And then all the murder. At a, at a distant third. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He just continues to be awful. Yep. Uh, last story. And uh, this, this, this story is like... Um, like that Van Halen uh, Limp Biscuit story we talked about where this is my favorite story <laughs> of the whole the yeah. whole episode. Yeah, this um, is good. So Mr. Rogers sued Ice Cube for sampling him in A Gangsta's Fairy Tale. <laughs> so um, great. Uh, over the weekend, Ice Cube celebrated the 30th anniversary of his debut solo album, America's Most Wanted, with a digital listening party. He hosted the event on Instagram Live where he rapped along to the hits. Uh, shared insight into the songwriting process and recalled old memories. 
Unexpectedly, one of those recollections involved getting sued by Mr. Rogers. Um, as noted by Stereogum, the NWA rapper brought up the surprising legal tussle practically as an aside. Um, he said, uh, I actually wrote a gangsta's fairy tale for Easy E, but uh, y'all know what it is. We weren't getting down at the time, so I had to take it myself. <laughs> I shouldn't be reading this. Um, he said on Instagram, it's a trip because off this song, Mr. Rogers sued us. He was mad because we had the Mr. Rogers theme at the beginning of this shit. Uh, it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood and all that. Uh, the in bomb sued us and was getting like five cents a record. <laughs> I'm canceled just for reading this. Yes, uh, pretty much. And was getting five cents a record until we took that part off. Uh, most fans are probably pausing right now as they read this thinking, wait, since when is there a sample of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in a gangster's fairy, fairy tale? As it turns out, the original version of the song sampled the TV show's theme before the famous line, and now in the black part of the city, kicks in. The first 200,000 copies of America's Most Wanted had this version. It was only upon being informed of the lifted soundbite that Mr. Rogers attempted to sue Ice Cube for failing to get permission first. The specifics of this absurd legal battle, battle were actually detailed back in 2014 in Brian Coleman's book, uh, check the Technique Volume 2, More Linear Notes for Hip-Hop Junkies. Liner Notes, sorry. Uh, in it, producer Sir Jinx recalled how using the jingle Won't You Be My Neighbor cost Ice Cube a pretty penny. Ultimately, he had to pay Mr. Rogers five cents a record, says, said Jinx. Uh, he got paid off that. After the first 200000 we took it off. Uh, in fact, after we, he removed the soundbite, Ice Cube still had to cough up money to Mr. Rogers for name-checking him later in the hit. He told us we couldn't use it, Ice Cube told Coleman. We took the song off in the album and he sued us anyways. I think they made us give him damages because we mentioned his name one time. Um, so yeah, Mr. Rogers successfully sued Ice Cube. And part of Mr. Rogers' personal fortune was brought to him by the song Against Us Fairy Tale. <laughs> See, he truly got that bag. He got it. Got it. I mean, that's just to me, this is an everyone wins story. Yeah. Every this is this is how you end it. Everyone wins. I win. You win. <laughs> we win. We all win. Ice Cube wins for telling the story. The uh the legacy of here's the other thing too. Don't fuck with Mr. Rogers, man. He'll cut no. you. Yeah, don't don't fuck with him. Yeah, don't fuck with his money. That's now, crazy. Now, Mr. Cube, I gotta warn you, you don't want to fuck with me. It's not. Last I will motherfucker, cut a motherfucker. Fuck with me. Well, let's just say he isn't in the neighborhood anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just you, who everybody wins. Everyone wins on that story. Everyone wins. Uh, yeah. So that's it. If you, if you liked what you heard and you haven't done so yet, feel free to subscribe. If you have a friend that you think would like the show, uh, feel free to share it with them. Um, if you want to follow uh, the uh, you know upcoming news about the podcast or see the daily content uh, that we share about nostalgia every day, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, the official Nostalgia Facebook page. Just search Nostalgia on Facebook, and that's us. You can join our Nostalgia Facebook group searching uh in the groups section on facebook for nostalgia as well um you can follow us on instagram at nostalgia 
If you have any questions, comments, or concerns that you might want read on the show, you can email us at nostalgicastpod at gmail.com. And uh, stay safe and healthy out there. Thanks for listening. Later. Thank you.